Welcome back to Dev Dive Episode 12. I'm your host, Nighthawk. I'm joined by my co-host, Riot Legend Larry, as always. And our very special guest today is Ryan Rigney, a.k.a. Riot Cactopus. Ryan, could you tell us what your role is at Riot? Um, I lead communications uh, for a part of the company that includes League of Legends. Okay. I think that's like the most accurate and succinct <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> so what does communications mean at a company like Riot? Um, the way that I like to put it is it's, uh, I mean, it's easy to figure out some of it where we just, we talk to players, but the, the like highfalutin way to put it is that we build a bridge between devs and players. So we try to help them get their message out to players. And then, uh, especially when they're trying to make something that impacts the game, we try to make sure that players understand that. So we'll, we'll write a post or we'll even just sit down with the devs and kind of figure out like, what is it that you want to say? Right. Um, and maybe the devs go out themselves and do it, uh, whether that's, you know, in a message that goes to all of our players or if it's a really small change, it just comes from the devs, devs themselves. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a weird job because we kind of do everything differently depending on the circumstance. A lot of times we'll write a dev blog or we'll help with a script for, you know, a video like Riot Please, um, the kinds of things that we put on our YouTube channel. Um, things like copy words that you see on microsites we jump in on all that stuff so for so, uh to be a little more specific what about uh you and your role like uh how do you how do you contribute to the whole communications yeah. i i came up i came in to write as a writer uh not rioter but writer <laughs> where i was working on things like the league of legends art book and uh things like that and it was really just if we had a, a a page we needed to fill it with words, I would help figure out what those words should be so that they seemed good. Um, and I would, you know, it was that same kind of thing. Work with the devs, maybe at one of the old uh, things I worked on was the original League client update. And so there was all these like oh. blogs that would come out twice a week. Now it's funny now because I'm actually working on it again. Um, <laughs> but it was like you know updates about what we changed, things like patch notes. I was doing that, but for the client. Um, now my job's a little different because I'm a people manager. So <clears throat> I have a, there's a whole team of people who really do all the good stuff, and I I'm in a lot of meetings. I still get to I still get to work on stuff, do individual <laughs> contributor type stuff. Um, like right now, actually, there's some blogs. There's a blog I'm about to start working on about things we're doing to improve the client. Uh, I I kind of jump on things that would otherwise fall through the cracks now because the rest of the team like really holds it down and doesn't really necessarily even need my help most of the time. Um, there's like, there's like a team of like seven of us on uh, in the, the part of the org that I'm in, which it's not a secret. We call it LOL Inc internally, but it's like, it includes wild rift um, and team fight tactics and league PC. But not Valorant. Valorant has a separate communications team. Yeah, they, oh, they totally do. So like uh, C Tom, Chris Tom, who goes by Pwiff, he leads comms on that game. And yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of, now there's so many games, you know, and it's, I feel a lot better being able to talk about it finally after we announced all this stuff <laughs> last year. We never could talk about it, right? Because a lot of these actually internal like verticals and like divisions have been around for a long, long time. Like, uh, I think CTOM moved over to Valorant like two years ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it sounds a little crazy to, you know, to, to work on something that long, but like, it actually, if you want to do something right, I think it makes sense to have somebody on something like thinking through, like, how are we really going to do this thing? How are we going to launch this thing? Um, what's our messaging? That kind of stuff. 
so yeah, he's on that one. There's uh, D- Dylan Buckner. I, I forget what his his like summoner name is, but he's the Legends of Runeterra comes uh, lead. I believe he's still playing that role. Um, and there's a there's a few people who jump in on on each different team. And then there, I mean, you know, we've got um, we've got like Riot Forge coming out. Like that'll be its own team that that happens. There's there's a lot of stuff in the works. Uh, and the teams we like stay in touch, but a lot of times we're kind of off doing our own thing, you know, just like the product teams themselves. <laughs> Talking about C Tom and his his role uh, internally, it was it was funny because you know we we knew Valorant was coming up. Um, yeah. They they had they had kind of kept the played it close to the chest, right? You know R and D. Um, but then uh, as as they were getting ready for launch, uh, I kept seeing the messages going out, and I just felt so bad for for Tom specifically because because all of a sudden it went from like zero to sixty, and it just yeah, kept yeah. at sixty for months. And I was like, yeah. oh my goodness, it still is. It's at like one hundred and twenty yeah. now, right? Yeah. Like it's nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Jumping back yeah. just a little bit, I wanted to touch on something because this is something coming from an outsider's perspective that always cracks me up. Um, everyone in the community really knows rioters by their riot summoner name. Like your riot tactics, <laughs> Larry's riot legend, Larry. But Larry uh, continually has ingrained in me that um, a lot of the internal rioters don't really even remember what people's summoner names are. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's Larry. <laughs> that's, that's Ryan. They're like, oh, what's the summoner name again? <laughs> Yeah, it's always cracking me up. There's a there's a lot to unpack with that. I mean, if you want to get really <laughs> deep, it's like to what extent is um are you integrated with your riot identity? You know, like to yeah. or, or to what extent is it a separate branch of your identity? Like there was a time where I think I kind of just truly was Cactopus. I think now I've started I, to distance myself a little bit. Not and again, there's a lot to unpack, but I I think. If someone were to repeatedly call me Cactivus in person at the office, I'd be like, dude, you can just rig me, it's fine. You know, <laughs> you can keep it chill. Don't yeah. be weird. Uh, but there's other people that are totally fine. Like, I don't know, I call David Turley, Turley. Um, just because calling him Freak seems so wrong, but <laughs> lots of people call him Freak, you know? Yeah. And I don't think that bothers him at all. Or, or Rivington, right? Riv, yeah. Everybody everybody says Riv, but that one is like a little easier because the name is similar. Cactopus is like a really upsetting word to begin with. <laughs> so I, just, I don't want to be in a meeting and have someone say that repeatedly. I don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah, there's, you could go deep on that one. The, the HR department, the HR department yeah. calls you. They're like, hey, Cactopus, could you come in here for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had some complaints. <laughs> yeah, I'd be uh, like, I'd be like, am I in trouble? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that I'm like, if someone said, uh, "Will Legendary please come to the office?" I'm like, I don't know if this is a joke or if it's like serious. Like it's yeah, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll give you one anecdote, which is that um, I there are certain members of like the the leadership team that I'm pretty familiar with, but our CEO, I didn't really get to know him until last year. And we were working on like the 10 year anniversary thing. And I'd probably been in like a dozen meetings with him and someone referred to me as Cactopus. And he was like, you're Cactopus. And I was like, what is happening? So yeah, it gets, yeah. it causes weird situations at the office. I feel like it might be that the more in the community focus you are, the less chance you are to be, uh, sort of pinioned into your summoner name um yeah because, like if you true. said david turney or Tur- turley turley turley, turley. Yeah, yeah, turley. 
Um, people would know that. Nobody knows who that is. Most yeah. people would know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. maybe that's, is that why you're rebranding your Twitter a little bit? You're going away from the, uh... Well, it was always, it was, that's always been my Twitter. That's like a Twitter that I had, you know, even before I started at, at Riot. Um, I'll always use the Cactopus on Reddit because that was really like, uh, where my, I started to publicly use that name a lot. Um, I don't know. I try not to overthink it. I think I just, I think a lot of times when I'm talking to players, it's okay to be Cactopus. But I guess if I'm being honest, if I'm talking to my coworkers, I'd rather just be Ryan. Like if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It makes me more comfortable. Okay. So that was a bit of a tangent, but those are yeah, totally. <laughs> um, kind of getting back to what we were talking about. How do other teams not specifically communications related interact with the comms team? Um, the, the good thing about working on the team that I'm on is that we get to work really closely with product. And like, to me, I think the reason people play is because of the game. Even, I think there's a lot of things that I get to work on that I feel are important and like valuable, but I don't think that I, anything I do is the reason people play. Right. And so my perspective is if I want to have a a really big impact, what I want to do is enable the product people to like make a better product. Um, and so I feel like I, I feel like I'm playing a support role and I like that, right? Like I'm, I'm super happy in that. Like if I can, like, I'm going to have a meeting with Andre who's right, who's meddler, right? Like later today, he, he values my opinion on what do you think? Will this resonate? That kind of thing. And it, and it drives his thinking about, well, oh, we could make a product tweak that is more in line with whatever, what, what we think players want that stuff, uh, it, it feels really good. So it's like a really close working relationship with them, like in meetings all the time. Um, and we're not just like, we're not like, oh, here's what I think the players will like. It's not just that. It's it's sort of like, honestly, when we do stuff, we think about how we're going to say it to players, right? As part of it. And I and I get to help with that part. Um, does that does that answer the question? Yeah, I think so. It's kind of vague. <laughs> but it's kind of hard to explain unless you've been in like you know a bunch of like corporate meetings where you like are trying to add value, you know, which is like a really weird. It's like a really weird process. I mean, the idea of like a communications team, um, it, it's it's really hard to, in my opinion, it's really hard to nail down because when people think you know communications, oh, it's talking, oh, it's mm-hmm. sharing information, but there's there's so much, and I would love to hear more of your thoughts about this. There's so much more when it comes to communicating with someone than just saying a bunch of words and it sounds like yeah. you talked you, you touched on it a little bit with uh yeah. you're talking about working with andre here soon right i think like what okay so like one thing that i'll do when i come in on like um to work on like a product i'll give you an example like we we started talking about a month ago about how hey we'd like to do some more stuff to address like disruptive behavior in the game there's a there's a kind of a a, a moment where um, especially I think really Voivoy did, did kick it off where he, uh, he kind of raised the fact that it actually it it's still a problem that's that Riot should be looking into more right and I, I think a lot of rioters looked at that and said it's not it's not like this was news to us right like we know that it's it's an ongoing it's it's a ten year old game right and it's always been one of the challenges um, but I think there was an interest more an increased interest in like well what can we do let's take a like fresh eyes let's take a fresh approach to this old problem um and so one of the things that i do is like i come in and i'm just the comms guy on the team right the the product people are are figuring out like what are some like like are there some of these things that are like sacred cows that we could look at differently like for for instance for a long time we've said that we don't um 
we we really feel like we've reached our limit in terms of what we can do to stop enters because the risk is if you tune up your int detection algorithms too high, then what you'll start doing is start banning people who just had a bad game, right? Like that's that's a guaranteed thing. It's not, there's nobody with any technology that could that could figure out a way to avoid that, right? Where you're just, especially automatically, right? Like, cause we are talking about automatic solutions. If, if we had enough money to hire, you know, I mean, <laughs> it would be like, it would be like an entire country of player support people to manually just ban people who are griefing in game and review all the games, right? So we we've always said, you know, we want to find like automatic solutions and stuff, um, but we're scared of going too hard and accidentally getting some uh, people who are just having a bad game. So the product people now are saying, well, what if we what if we just try some stuff, right? What if we try tuning it up a little more aggressively, experiment with it, and try it out? So then they go, how do we tell that to players? Because they're nervous, right? They're like, we don't want to, we, we want this to come across right. Because what we're saying is we're willing to experiment and try something a little more aggressive than we have in the past. And so what I'll do for them is say, here's what I think it would look like if you wanted to message that to players. And I'll, I'll sometimes I'll just write a draft from scratch. Uh, when I'm working with Andre, he's really good. So a lot of times he'll go, <laughs> here's my draft. And I, and well, you know, Rigney, give me your notes on it. And that works, that works great. You know, like, that's fine. I think a lot of times devs like the devs at least at riot really really care about not only doing the right thing for the game but they want to be understood right i mean which is like a pretty basic human emotion so when they're thinking about what they're going to do i always see them thinking through how will i then say that and i try to just make that part less worrisome where i go well here's one way to say it and show them a draft right and then they go oh that seems fine like i thought it would be horrible because uh, they were <laughs> they worry about you know how how is how are things going to come across, um, so that's an, actually a really specific example of something recently, which I don't even remember what your question was, but I, <laughs> I think <laughs> no no it's perfectly no, no, fine. It's... It, this happens every yeah. single episode. The questions are more of just like a how do we start the conversation flowing? Yeah, and yeah. keep it from being just like yeah, yeah. robot. Like how do you do this? Yeah, how yeah. do you do that? Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no problem getting off topic or anything like that. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, it, that's an eventuality with me. I, talking <laughs> about communication, uh, there's a, one of the things we learned at Riot, uh, or one of the things I learned at Riot was the idea of a communication uh, structure, like triangle, like pyramid versus the inverse. Uh, and what that means is when you start into a topic or start a conversation, you either get to the point that's like, you know, a logical, oh. here's my conclusion, yeah. and then here's everything that backs it up. Um, I'm the opposite. I start with all the context and I go into like a story thing and then right. I get to my point. The problem is I lose people as I go through my context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll see so, that a lot. <laughs> that's a real thing. So what you're talking about, like the, it has different names, but like some, I, I learned about, I went to journalism school, right? Mm. So they called it like the story pyramid. And mm. it's like, the yeah, it's the idea of you put at the top of your story, look, here's what happened. All right. <laughs> So-and-so <laughs> did something. Boom, a little more detail, a little more detail. And then by the time you get to the bottom, it's all the granular detail that people who are really engaged are going to find. I definitely find that when I work with devs, the def the thing that they default to is, let me give you a context dump about mm -hmm. our values and like, all this stuff. <laughs> and, and you're like, hey, I'm reading it. And I'm like, I'm like 800 words in. And then they're like, and so we're changing the number of tokens you get from missions. And it's like, hold on. <laughs> so like, honestly, here's the thing. I don't I actually think that it's okay to have a bunch of different voices coming from one company, which is not something everybody would agree with. Some people think that like you should have one consistent brand voice 
at Riot, I think it's okay. I think the thing that I want to emphasize more is that like devs are communicating in an authentic way. So I'm okay with devs like taking, like if they hand me a draft like that, I'm not going to tear it completely apart. What I'll do is I'll say, all right, compromise me with me on this one. Put a TLDR at the top yeah. where you just summarize what you're doing, right? And then you can you can still do, like if you want to pour your heart and soul out about this token change, like, man, <laughs> I, I'm here for it. You know, <laughs> let's, let's do it. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I've uh, invented my I've I've uh, maybe not invented it's not the right word I have um I don't know created my own shape in my mind a paradigm I think of it as a kite where I'm like okay I've made my point and then I broaden out and then I try and get back that to is kind of the TLDR one is yeah right like that. Like, <laughs> listen we're just, tokens are changing and then just read on and then it's like, <laughs> and it's like the whole history of tokens yep and like because listen because there are people that are reading that and going like they're they're eating it up they're just like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the philosophy of tokens has been this. Tell me about the, you know the whole history of this change, dude. Because it's a ten-year-old game. You can talk. You can talk for ten thousand words about anything that we do at this point. Yeah, and that's yeah. sort of like the the core audience of, or at least the eventual core audience of this show is the people who are really fascinated by like the inner workings of companies like Riot, where some people are always just going to sit at the bottom and they're just going to play the game, and that's fine. Like they're just there to play right. the game. But some people really want to get ingrained in the culture. They want to figure out what makes the gears turn. What's the secret sauce that makes League of Legends or whatever game so good? Um, and that's kind of like, not in as many words, but the synopsis of what Dev Dive is supposed to be, which is awesome to hear that people are actually interested in something like that. Yeah, yeah. So It's kind of um, like a bad way of saying it is seeing how the sausage Right, but that's normally like that's normally a bad connotation. But this is supposed to be a good one because the idea you know what? that sausage is horrifying, and you don't want yeah. to know. Yeah, I, I think that's true about game development, though. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, isn't it isn't clean, and it's like uh, a kind of messy process. Um, I don't know. It's not. Hopefully, you don't think that sausage is disgusting after you find out about right? it. Right? Yeah, I eat sausage. Um, Delicious. Yeah. Delicious. <laughs> it's like um there's there's a feeling that if you're gonna eat meat, you should be familiar with like how it's being processed or how it's being um treated when it's alive. So I think we should start a movement that if you're gonna cri- criticize a game developer, that you have to develop a game first. And then oh my God, then man. you can criticize oh. the game developer. Oh, I mean, on one on one hand, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. On the other hand, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, I've still not made a game. I've been working in the games industry for five years. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So, <laughs> I I think I'd be disqualified too. You know, <laughs> I've seen other people make games. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've watched I've watched a game get made. Does that count? Yeah. <laughs> I've written some good posts, <laughs> but I don't know. You know. <laughs> All right. So, sort of uh, tangenting on what we were talking about a little bit ago. Um, sort of out of order, what I wanted to say, but uh, Riot actually has a fairly unique policy on allowing regular employees like Larry or or um, somebody not in the comms department to make public addresses about something that they're working on. Um, how does that affect your job? Um, it's a policy that I am really in favor of because I, I think that devs that are really in touch with players wind up making smarter decisions over the long term. Um, and they and they tend to be a little more responsive to like feedback when they get it. If if they can if they can get emotionally invested in it, it's it's a challenging policy too. Like it comes with a lot of risks. For me, I just try to support devs while they're engaging. Like a lot of times, um, 
a lot of times I will say instead of actually just talking, you know, one to one to players, maybe this is something that could go broader, right? And so then we'll help figure out like a, a channel that they can put it out on. But um, and then and then sometimes it's just like people are like, hey, I want to talk on Twitter about this thing with some players. Like, can you, you know, does this message look okay to you? And I, you know, and I just give them advice or whatever feedback. Um, try not to be like a blocker, but like basically like someone that can help make things less scary. Cause it can also be pretty terrifying to talk to players on the internet. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to facilitate it basically. Yeah. We've seen, we've seen a couple of times instances where it can blow up in the developers faces and I'm sure that's never a situation anyone wants to be in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and most people like they just want to talk to players because they're excited about the thing that they're working on, right? So it's <laughs> if you can make that um, possible in a way that's like safe, then I feel really good about that. Um, so yeah, that's I try to just I try to help in that way, play support. And there's a lot of there's actually a number of people on the team that that play that role, you know, across the org. So what is something that made you when you got into this role? This is like that made you think this is the job that I want to do. Huh. Um, I always just liked writing and I liked video games. And so this is kind of that, right? It's kind of uniting those two things. Um, I, I used to write for about games for magazines. Like I wrote uh, the first ones were like I would write for like websites. You know, that's that's when I started out when I was younger. And then I had some I had a gig with Game Pro magazine and, and kind of worked my way up, did, did some stuff with PC Gamer. And then I was with Wired for a couple of years. Um, and and uh, I, I thought that I was going to go into like that, right? Like writing about games for magazines. Um, and it was not just, it wasn't really like just game reviews, although I did my share of that. Like I really liked the journalism side of it, which is like finding a story and like interviewing a bunch of people. Um, but it, so I went to school for journalism and all that stuff. And then I found out that you can't really get paid to do that. Like there's like... <laughs> There's like not really a market, and there. I mean, this was like um, when I graduate, like I mean, early 2010s. Like mm. the market was already pretty; it was falling apart then, um, and it's it's really rough now. Now there's just like I think there's room for like a few kind of like celebrity, you know, like journalists who who do really great work and like have book deals and stuff. But like it's not there's not that many, right? You you can kind of count on just a few hands how many people are really making a really great living in that. Um, and so, but I, but video games are always the thing. And so actually the, the second games industry job that I took was at Riot and I, I kind of fell into doing the communications work there and, and just, it, it really scratches a lot of the same itches basically. Um, yeah, so I, I, I love my job. I, I don't know. I have a blast doing it. It is kind of felt just like a continuation of that thing that I was doing before. Uh, to, to pick up on a point, because one of the things, um, that uh that that we try to cover here is that initial like that start you know a lot of people say how did you start doing this and you know a lot of times it's like oh well i did the thing and and that's always i mean it's as simple as it is it's also the hardest to to kind of build upon um especially when someone goes i don't know what that means uh so picking up on what you said he's like oh i started to write on websites um how did like how did you go about that like were you I mean, assuming you were in high school or early stages of college, like what, yeah, what led yeah. you to that path specific? Yeah. Um, 
I actually started, I, I would just lie about my age and send pitches to <laughs> magazines like crazy. So like, I would just, I was like 15, I think when I started doing that, but I would just, I would send a pitch and I would just like pretend, I wouldn't say anything, but if they ever asked, it'd be like, yeah, I'm in my twenties and I'm like a journalist. <laughs> like <laughs> that's super worked. And I've never felt an ounce of guilt about that at all. Like if the writing was good enough for them, you know, like why, why? Yeah hamstring myself by admitting that i was like 16 or whatever so right, yeah right. i did that all with right. game uh with GameSpot and uh oh no game pro in particular and i actually um i admitted that to the guy who was like my editor like years later yeah. and he was like i kind of wondered but yeah <laughs> <laughs> the 10 year sting operation is over we got them boys bring it in bring it in yeah um so yeah i guess that's my advice for kids is just don't <laughs> use the anonymity anonymity of the internet yeah. to uh yeah. you know just yeah. try to get get your work out there that's can't hurt right <laughs> and, yeah and i gotta ask how like rough rough how many how many times did you send a pitch to a magazine um before you got one to be like yeah well like let's work with it oh yeah yeah um i mean hundreds and it was like it's not like when you read about people who get into like book publishing, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, they got rejected a hundred times and then they finally got their deal and now they get deals constantly. Like when it was when I was doing freelance writing, that's not how it works. The way it mm -hmm. works is you get rejected five times a day every day and one out of every ten you get accepted because you're constantly trying to do one story over here with this outlet and one over here with this one. Um, and most of them are ignoring you. Like so I got like yeah, hundreds of rejections. But the thing that um, that wound up working for me was that I found a, a niche. Mm -hmm. um, so, and this is like advice that just really doesn't apply because I have no idea how the like media <laughs> publishing space works now. Like, I don't, sure. <laughs> I don't think you can do this anymore, you know. But like at the time, there was um, the iPhone had just come out, basically. Like, er, the App Store had just come out. So the iPhone had been out for a couple of years. The App Store had just come out. Um, and I realized that there was like no competition to write about these games. Literally no one was writing about them. Um, no one gave a damn basically. Uh, and they, and like people who really cared about games were like, they wanted to write about the new Zelda game, right? Like they mm -hmm. didn't have any aspirations to write about Doodle Jump. Um, please so tell for, me that was something you wrote. You wrote about something called oh, Doodle Oh yeah. Doodle Jump. Dude, it's, okay. it's a classic. It's actually, I'm gonna look it, that up. <laughs> that game that game is one of the best iphone games ever and it's still in like the top 200 on the charts like 11 years later wow all um, right it, it's made by this dude named Ig igor from like poland and he's like a super millionaire now because he made like a 99 cent app called doodle jump uh <clears throat> but like so i started writing my iphone games and i mm. i started writing for some blogs that paid like 25 bucks an article like mm. i would just pitch them right and they're like yeah sure <laughs> no one else wants to write about these um i think what one of my early claims to fame is that I published the first ever review of Angry Birds because it oh. was like 2009. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And and don't and if you look that up, you probably won't be able to find it. I but uh, <laughs> but it's it's like garbage, you know. Like I wrote it like whatever, like 11 years ago. Um. And so then I kind of had this niche, and then as iPhone gaming got more and more popular, there was like more and more interest from like more mainstream publications who were like, yeah, we need we need a guy that can do the phone games or whatever. Or like, you know, the iPad came out and they're like, can somebody write about like the top 20 iPad games? Right. And so then I would come in and like pitch that and be like, look, I know about all the games. Uh, and yeah, it kind of, it kind of worked out that way. Okay. Okay. I found it by the way. 
Did you find the review? I found or the both. Mac Stories interview with Ryan Rigney, the author of. No, Buttons. delete that. Delete that. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so that's actually that was actually cool. Like that was the that was like the real career jump. Was mm-hmm. I I started pitching uh, like a a book deal idea of like, let me write a book that's about the best iPhone games so far and the stories behind them. Mm. Um. And uh, and so I, I like interviewed all the people who'd made who'd basically anyone who'd made a decent iPhone game at that point, which was like 2011. Um, I would just I just call them up and be like, hey, do you want to talk for this book? And all of them said yes because like no one else was interested in talking to them. Yeah. Um, and did it was like small press, like a fun little book about iPhone games. That was like that was the early uh, career moves that I think led to me pretty directly being able to show that I'd put in the work and had a resume worth looking at to, to apply to a place like riot you know so you are a published author yeah but it's like i don't i don't think like they never paid me anything past the advance you know like it didn't <laughs> didn't actually make any money or anything like that i don't well, know I'll, anybody I'll, who self-publishes now probably gets more readers than that book did <laughs> well i mean i'll i'll just i'll say it like you wrote you've done something that most people have not done which is publish a book so yeah you've written a book like that's no, it's cool. Of it? Yeah, it it was cool. What was that? Oh yeah, did they did they at least give you a copy? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. They sent me like ten, and then they also had it translated into Korean for some reason. Uh, and so okay. I have. Hold on. <laughs> oh, He's no, gonna man. bring it out. <laughs> He's gonna get the book. Oh <laughs> yes, is that's my name amazing. In... No, my name's not in English. They rendered my name in Korean, I guess. Yeah, for, pretty for good. Our audio listeners, that's Ryan awesome. has brought out pretty good a book um, that he wrote and published about uh iphone games <laughs> it looks awesome That's yeah. what, that was translated for some reason into korean into korean i don't know why and they published it like four years later in korea so there was a lot of really confused korean kids being like <laughs> the original angry birds though like because they were like, there on three by that point yeah all That's right a great coming story, off of that way. tangent that was a great story. that, that <laughs> might rank up there as the best story ever told on Dev Dive. Oh no. So far. I <laughs> Says a lot about the show. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so uh, what skills as a communicator would you think uh, are important for somebody in communications to succeed? Um, so like the big one that is like, it sounds super corporate and like buzzwordy but i I actually think it's like knowing and understanding your audience um like most of the mistakes that i see get made are by someone who they didn't understand how the person they were talking to would react to the language that they're choosing to use um and that's that's just like it applies way beyond games you know it's like in, in you see a politician who says something that you're like everyone in the crowd it like rubs them the wrong way that kind of thing it's all about it's all about knowing your audience um so on league like i think the main thing is people i think it's really important for people who work in communications to have a pretty good understanding of the game and to play the game so that they can like empathize and understand like with what would matter to someone who plays it um but then also like honestly i kind of I learned a lot about how the league audience talks just by like really obsessively reading everything that I could find that was being said about it online. And so that, I wasn't just read it, but it was like the boards too and like Twitter and like whatever else. And just you, if you do that enough, if you subject yourself to that, uh, you start to see some like pretty clear patterns and like 
even like values about like what people want. And so you start to understand how much people just want you to tell them really clearly what you're changing about the game, right? They don't want to see, they don't want anything to be hidden. They want to, they, there's some, to some extent, they would like their feedback to be heard. But I think more importantly than that, they would just like to have the sense that the devs are working on the right things. Um, you know, even if it's not what they necessarily would prioritize. So it's mm-hmm. it's that kind of stuff you can only really figure out once you kind of build an understanding of the audience you're talking to. So if you go work on another game, um, then you got to do it all over. You got to like figure out, because it's probably a totally different type of player and totally different audience, depending on, you know, what you're moving to. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it can't be stressed enough how important it is to diversify your platforms that you're looking at. Um, and I actually had this as a talking point that I wanted to talk about later, but might as well bring it up now. Um, a lot of people look at Reddit and Reddit-like platforms as like the gold standard of like this is where communities are going to be formed. This is where all the game discussion is going to be happening. Blah 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 blah. Um, and it's so easy to get caught in that bubble um, mm-hmm. of Reddit and, and Reddit platforms, where yeah, you yeah. just you get sucked into the the hole, and you're like, this is the only important discussion that is happening about this topic. Um, when in reality, even though Reddit is one of the top 10 traffic sites in the world, it still is a very, it's not the majority. And even if it is the majority, it's not everybody. So it's important to go out and yeah. see what people are saying on different platforms, just because it, it is wildly different. Like if you go to Reddit, you'll have a hot take that gets 10,000 <laughs> upvotes on there. And then you'll go to yeah. some other platform, Reddit or uh, Facebook or Twitter or something, and people will just have the complete opposite opinion. Totally. I think too, like, um, it's it's a very like day to day kind of short term mentality. Like this thread was upvoted yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't really tell you anything about like long term what's going to make this game last like years, you know. <laughs> um, although it, a lot of times, like, you'll see people being upvoted for saying like the game will die if it doesn't get this specific change, you know. <laughs> uh, and that happens every game. Um, I think it can be pretty tough. And it takes a lot of like guts from developers to like look at everything because there's there'll be like a million different competing messages basically saying the same thing. This thing has to be the number one priority, and then pick what their real priority is. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty tough, but it definitely isn't just based on whatever was upvoted yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that's actually really interesting. Where uh, uh, point to ask is when when you do look for what 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 would be your suggestion? To people who are like, yeah, I wanna I wanna learn about a player base. Um, I don't want to get taught that trap of an echo chamber or like the, mm-hmm. the day-to-day mentality. Where would you go or how would you go about finding those, those uh, you know, uh, information points? Man, I mean, I, I did it. Uh, I did it once because I went and worked on PUBG for a little while, right? So I was like, mm-hmm. I have to learn about this. That one was easier, though, for me because I'd put like, you know, well over 100 hours into the game. So I already had that oh. baseline. <laughs> yeah, right. like, I was like obsessed. um and uh so i i had to rely i had to rely on what i could find and that game was actually really built around streaming a lot more it seemed (laughs) like to me like it it seemed like dominated by kind of streamer personality so um in in league there it's pretty often that there's like a streamer with a hot take but at the time it was like there was a few voices who like really were upset about a couple issues and so then the and um and 
whatever there was a there was a few problems like there was a lot of bugs in PUBG in the beginning obviously right because it was like this totally new game yeah. um and so i think the process then is like okay it does seem like this general theme of bugs is the problem then how do you dig how do you dig into like which are the ones that are like really problematic like that are the most frustrating and that just takes a combination of like yes seeing what people are saying but then also like kind of using gut judgment to look at like okay what which are these should we just start fixing right now um yeah i think you, you just have to slowly break things down into chunks and then help the devs figure out like what matters based on that like because they look at it a lot of times you can say bugs and and they'll be like well you know <laughs> what, is it just is it just the vehicle flipping thing because like we can spend a long time on that you know <laughs> like, yeah. that, was, that was the thing in PUBG. um and I don't know. It's it's important to try to like break things down. And a lot of times, honestly, I do think sometimes I don't I don't do this too much now, but sometimes it can be useful to go out and be like the one person who goes into the community and goes, "Can you clarify? Like, is it this, 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 this?" this? And then see what people say. Mm. Um, and that can be helpful sometimes too. I've played that role definitely on Reddit at times when I felt like I just didn't understand what the like, or I felt like there was something needed to be disambiguated. Um, and I, I like always encourage, I think that's a lot of what Riot does do naturally is go out and be like, what do you think about this? It, is it this? Is it this? Right? Like people say Wukong's busted, but it's like, let's get more specific than that. Mm-hmm. And I think devs are pretty well equipped to like really dig in on that kind of thing. Cool. <laughs> so what what is something that you personally struggle with in the communications role and i'll share an example of mine just so yeah um everyone everyone has to share one that's the rule <laughs> so okay me i'm i'm um i'm a moderator of many reddit communities so something that i personally struggle with is i struggle with empathizing with the user who comes in and just spews toxicity and spews very angry vitriol at me like they they come in and say hey you're what's wrong with this website you're ruining it for everybody nobody wants you here blah 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 blah. i have very i have a hard time sitting down and being like okay but what's the message behind that <laughs> why is he upset yeah um that one's tough that one i mean there's so many personal instances that i connect i like relate to that really hard and so it's it's hard for me to even think of any other one because that's such a broad one of just like people having trouble expressing themselves in like a in like a non-inflammatory way um the easiest thing to do is just kind of leave the situation and disconnect right but that's not always the most productive i've found that that's i i mean i hate to steal your answer but it's something that i'm struggling with too but i also like i I, it applies to my personal life right and like working Mm -hmm. with coworkers because i think a lot of times people will express themselves, especially overriding in a way that is like weirdly passive aggressive and, or, you know, it, a kind of accusatory in some small way. And I've found the thing that I've been finding over the last couple of years, and I've been really trying to like grow uh, in relation to this is if you give people like the benefit of the doubt and just try to get them to re to restate what they really mean or or and one way to do this is, is is to say did you mean this is this the thing that you're concerned about like in a really sincere not at all you know you don't send that energy back at them but if you go so you're saying this right 
I find that so many times, not every time, not, I don't know what the ratio is, but <laughs> so many times people will come back and be like, yeah, that's actually what I mean. And then it's like their whole tone is shifted because you're just showing them that you respect them enough to try to figure out what they really mean instead of like engaging with whatever shit they threw at you. Mm-hmm. Um, it apply it, it it definitely applies to talking to players, but like, man, I found that to be it, like talking to other adults, coworkers, that kind of thing. It's like really, really valuable there too. Um, it's so it's something that I'm still not perfect at, but I'm by a long shot. But I'm trying to get better at. I feel like I stole yeah. your answer, but I, <laughs> no, no, I, I just I it resonates with me. That was a pretty wide answer I gave. Anyway, I feel like that's probably one of the hardest things for anyone who who deals with people yeah. who are <laughs> angry at them a lot. Um. We lost the thing. Uh-oh. Uh, something that that was uh I wanted to focus on was when you were talking about um communicating with people over text and, and sometimes you lose the sort of tone of the conversation in that medium. And when I was younger, mm-hmm. I was fully on board the text only train. I'm like, no, there's no reason to ever call anyone. There's no reason to ever communicate. Through voice. Text is the perfect yeah. medium. I was I was a really fast typer at the time. I've actually lost some typing speed over the years. Um, but I was like, yeah, texting, it's fully superior to voice in every way. But the older I got yeah. and the more uh situations that I got into, like where you said where tone can get miscommunicated very easily over text, I'm like, okay, this is why the the voice format exists. This is why people still need to get into calls or if possible, get into person to person conversation because you can just lose so much context and so much personality just over that text right i've I've talked to so many of my friends who are just not great text communicators and they'll they'll (laughs) spark debates and arguments and conversations um totally unintentionally just because of they that disconnect between the two mediums yeah i i personally feel that i am way more effective talking to someone in person than I am over text, which is crazy to say as someone who's like paid to communicate over text primarily. I I don't, (laughs) I feel that I, I just am not good enough to be able to be taken to, to like transmit my meeting hundred percent accurately over text, like almost, almost ever, because even things like format sends a message, right? Like if you write to someone an email that is really long, it's like 2000 words long, there's already a weird tonal thing happening there, which is that you are monologuing at someone. If I have a lot to say to someone and I go up to them and I'm going to have about 2000 words worth of stuff to say, I can do so many things in person that prepares them for that in a way that lets them know that they're being respected. Right. That isn't just like, Hey, listen here, (laughs) sit down. I'm about to rant at you for an hour. What I'll do is be like, Hey man, there's this, there's this problem that, uh, super complex. So let me just give you the rundown, like here, right. And then I'll, do all that. I can do that in text, but even just being hit with an email that long feels like threatening. It's, you know what I mean? Like text is, it comes with all these weird, there's all this meaning associated with each sentence you write that isn't even in the words. It's in other things like the format and the length, that kind of thing. So the yeah. Period I, at the end, if you put a period at the end, are you, are you yeah. being what is that angry? Yeah. Are you being yeah. definitive or is it just being yeah. proper punctuation? It's, it's terrifying. It's a terrifying medium to communicate it. (laughs) We have way more tones like that we use or inflections that we use than we do punctuation marks. Because we have like three Well, that's why that is the literal reason why emojis exist. To translate 
tones of conversation into text. And that's like... But you sent a work emo- email with a bunch of emojis yeah, in it, and, it, and you're like, work, am I being... It doesn't work in the business yet. The only people I know who send emojis in work emails are actually being passive-aggressive as all hell. Oh, no. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. It's like the well, opposite I mean, of what they, they're they feeling. Can, they the can use face. to translate passive-aggressiveness. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, the smile emoji can be taken very many ways. <laughs> um, I think totally. sl- Slack is That's Slack is I... a great way to communicate with people um, because it's like you get to use those emojis in a less threatening situation where you, you can. It's not like an email. I think email is like the. I don't like email personally. I think it yeah. it leaves no <laughs> room for rebuttal in any meaningful way. Um, right. I mean, it has its place in the communications world, but uh, wow, we we, chime, we, that's... we tangented off to emojis yeah. and email pretty hard. I was say um, just just to throw my my uh my communication style in there. I I I like to communicate in gifs, uh, just primarily. <laughs> like I try to just primarily. Okay, first I try of not all, to let use words. You. Let me stop you right yeah. there. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll back the clock about ten seconds. <laughs> Sorry. You you communicate via uh, excuse me what? Gifs. Oh no no we're not no we're not going that tangent no okay. he can say it the way he wants to say it. <laughs> I don't like I don't like it I don't endorse it but we're not doing it. Refuse. All right, just um, I threw I like all right I I panicked and I said gifs I I used giphy all right so I do say <laughs> gifs. <laughs> I just panicked, all right? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Larry. <laughs> you are the weakest link. You're being kicked off the show. <laughs> no, but I think emojis, or sorry, GIFs are really just a, a like the next level of emojis. It's just like, what's a GIF but a more expressive way to show emotion? Like, you could either have a little I guy mean, with like a smiley face and his tongue sticking out, or you could have Taylor Swift with a smiley face and her tongue sticking out. Wait, my is that my a, mother uh, definitely feels more comfortable expressing herself with gifts than with words at this point. In our text messages, that's all I get from her. It's kind of really weird. <laughs> all right, all right. Coming back to the very concrete talking points that we're on. Uh, what is something that being in this role has taught you about the rest of the world? So, like, not in a non-job related thing. So, so about the rest of the world. Yeah, for Damn, example, man, like, that was, that's kind of deep. <laughs> <laughs> what have you learned in communications that you can apply to just like day-to-day life um i think i was under the misapprehension for a long time that about how communication worked with other people like i was like fundamentally confused and um i i saw things especially when i was in like high school i saw things as like uh i like to debate with people over things and like dig into the meaning of what they said and say, well, you said this, but it really means this. Um, I don't think communication is really about the words you use so much as it is um, about the the meaning that you're trying to communicate, which sounds really obvious. But what it's done to me is that I've, I've changed in a fundamental way in the last few years. And I think it's because of this job, which is that like when I look at a sentence that someone sends me that's written down, I don't worry too much about the words in it so much as i as i'm thinking to myself what is it that they're trying to to get across to me right i don't get hung up on individual word choices or or like even you know implications of things that they said i just i'm trying to figure out based on my what i know about this person and 
and what you know the context and where they're coming from like what is it that they're really trying to to get across and so a lot of times i basically i've become more skeptical of my ability to accurately understand what someone's saying the first time they say it a lot of times you get it right but a lot of times i'm more likely now than i ever have been before to like ask a clarifying question or to like pick pick out something like is this what you mean right and i think what I've basically, the real takeaway is that peop, everybody is pretty bad at communicating, you know, like everybody tries <laughs> their best, but like everybody's really bad. Like they're almost never saying the exact thing that they really would like to be able to say. It's so hard to find the words to express what you're really feeling. Um, and most people never are able to. <laughs> um, and so if you give people that benefit of the doubt, I think you take a very different approach to anything that's said to you, you know, like almost anything. Um I don't know. Maybe that's just part of getting older and getting more tolerant of just everybody, right? But I definitely feel that working in the role that I have has like kind of accelerated that that perspective change. Yeah. When I was younger, I had um, a worldview that was very interesting, where I thought that everybody's mind was made up about whatever, and it's sort of true. But I thought that there was no real way to convince anyone of anything if they had a thought. Like, like if they wanted to do something or if they wanted to. Uh-huh. be a certain person like nobody could convince them otherwise and that's just sort of right. how like i lived growing up and i'm like okay i i do realize now that you can talk to people and you can change their their viewpoints but yeah it, it's it's something that was reinforced so heavily by by the people that i was around where you would get in a conversation with them and you, and you try to change their mind or, or discuss something mm-hmm. and you're just like okay they're not going to change no matter what. And I'm not going to change. I'm, I'm sure it's how I'm not going to change my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. I'm sure a lot of people have basically the same delusion, right? That like, uh, I know you. it definitely seems that nicely. way. Yeah, put it nicely. <laughs> I mean, sure. I don't know. I, I guess I never thought that same thing, but I definitely, I know what you mean when you say that, which is, um, it's really interesting. I think one one thing that might lead into that is that people um, they think that they're that for instance that people only change their mind based on facts or something and so they'll just repeatedly try to use facts to change somebody's mind and it just doesn't work right and and actually people are way more complicated than that like a lot of times all it takes to change somebody's mind is to just show them that you respect them and that you're listening to them and that you're worth listening to and that that's the thing that opens their mind and their heart yeah. to what you're saying uh and so yeah if you go through life thinking that people believe things based entirely on facts yeah you could just go your whole life being like people never change their mind for anything <laughs> uh yeah that's super interesting uh i thought it was um i thought it was really poignant you saying like we're not very good at it at communicating like we never get to say what we're actually feeling or what yeah. we're actually trying and right. you'll see it through and like even in the short hour um i will stumble over a word because i'm like there's yeah. a specific word i'm trying to find it and then to go even one step deeper i actually um i'm not very good with articulating my emotions i never went through that whole process growing up of like this is how i feel and this is why right. i feel it uh, right. so i have four four primary emotions that i feel and everything <laughs> i feel like sits in those yeah so yeah. when so when someone's like, "Why are you so mad?" I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, <laughs> so that makes it even more difficult, right, to try and tell someone and communicate that. So I thought that yeah. was really, I thought that was really poignant. Yeah. 
I think we all struggle with it, man. I, I'm, and it's something that I don't know if anybody's really mastered it. I, a thing that I started doing with my wife recently, like she and I communicate pretty well with each other, like hmm. really, really well. It's something we value a lot. But there have been times where like you, you're upset about something, right? Something's happened and you just don't know what to say. And I started trying this thing recently. I've only done it a couple of times, but where I said to her something to the effect of like, I feel upset about this, but I don't know how to say it to you in a way that is res like respectful of you in a way and it, in a way that's productive and, <laughs> and so i've failed to say what i wanted to say but i've mm -hmm. explained to her the problem that i'm facing and she's yeah. like and it's almost as good as if i did find a way to say it in a way that was yeah. respectful of her i don't know that's that's like that's felt like a breakthrough for me and again like we generally we have good you know good communication and stuff yeah but like, it's been a stopgap measure i mean oh man Dude, not, and not to I hope not to get too personal, but it's it's yeah. interesting because my wife has been telling me because I've been on edge for 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 reasons, and I, actually, what's really funny is that might come as a shock to Ben or anyone who knows me yeah. hearing me being on edge. But she's like, Larry, sometimes I just don't know what to say to you because I don't know what's gonna set you off, like what gets you upset or frustrated. And yeah. I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm going, well, I don't want you to feel like that, <laughs> right? You know, so it's really interesting to to hear you uh, point that out, and then from yeah. me going like. Actually, no, that that no, that does actually work because it it kind of sets you in a different frame of mind whenever right. whenever well, someone's able is, to call that out. And, and the truth is, it's probably not some trigger word that she's saying that's upsetting you. It's that there's something going on inside you that you just don't know how to express. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so it yeah, just doesn't yeah. even have anything to do with that. Yeah, so you got to find some way to talk about that. I don't know, man. I need to go to a therapist or something and dig into that one. That was dude. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep one. <laughs> That's a, yep. <laughs> something that I, I admire about you, Larry, um, and it's something that I've been trying to do more as a person, um, is when I don't know something about, or I don't know everything about a certain topic, or I'm not very well versed in a certain topic, I'll be, I'll try to admit that in a clear tone. Like, I'll be like, I don't know enough about this to have, like, an opinion about it, or I don't have enough about this to argue against you or with you, but I feel like this. Um, and I think that's, yeah. That's something that's important because so many people um, online these days will state their opinions as fact without having any sort of corroborating evidence or having any sort of backup behind it just because that's how people have been trained to do it. It's sort of like people have honed in where if you make a mistake in any sort of thing, like you misquote a fact or you you misappropriate something, then your argument just like falls apart. You're You're dead. You're done. Um, and I think that just admitting that you don't have all the answers because nobody does. Everyone uses the internet constantly to look up everything. It's like if you're having an argument <laughs> with something online, their their fingers are glued to Google. They're constantly searching for every single stat, every single argument, every single. They're they're looking up and seeing if that argument has been made before <laughs> and how it was defeated. It's just it's a it's a mess. So taking that first step and saying like, hey. I'm not an expert. I don't know what I'm doing, but <laughs> it's yeah. something that I, I've been trying to do a lot more recently. Yeah. You probably learn more that way, honestly. It, it, it allows you to sit back and maybe find something that they might be saying of worth. It's, uh, it's also an interesting um, way of getting someone to sort of, not, not intentionally, but argue against themselves, right? Like, the idea is if you don't know enough about what the, there's an adage, if you don't know enough about something to explain it simply, then you don't know enough about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I do is 
to to Ben's point is when someone comes comes to me and starts talking to me about something that I do not know, I actually rely on them for like thoughts or information or whatever. So I'll ask them questions to get them to explain it to me. And sometimes halfway through they're like, you know what, I don't, don't know. And then then we're in the same boat, right? And then we can have a like we're like an interesting yeah. conversation based on yeah. Another thing in that line that that reminds me of is there's this interesting thing that I picked up, I forget from who at Riot, but it's like if you take something that someone's saying, it's called, it's like a, you know, you could make a straw man of their argument, which is to, mm-hmm. to create a weaker version of it and tear it down. But the opposite of that is a way more interesting thing where you Iron Man Ooh. their argument, where you say, like, you try to make the most compelling argument for them. Like, and, and this can be you can do that wrong right where you can kind of like patronizing and be like well you know if you were smart you'd frame it this way right you don't do that but what you do is you like you go oh i i get the so the argument is this and you and you lay it out in as clear a way as you can if you're able to right um and that is it's sort of the same thing as i was saying earlier Mm -hmm. like restate people what people are saying and you know to try to get at it but it's a, I think it's a mentality difference, right? Where instead of trying to win an argument, you're trying to come to the strongest possible case for the side that's, you know, for the thing that's being communicated to you. You sometimes you'll find that the person goes, actually, yeah, that's a better. That's basically what I believe. Or sometimes they'll go, no, it's different in this way. And then you learn something. Mm. Um, yeah, boy, I don't, this is, this is a tangent, but I'm kind of enjoying it. I'm having a good time. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, that's the point <laughs> that's- of this show. You get yeah. you get the questions yeah, yeah. going, and then the tangents are the real the real meat of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, Tangents I've never heard of that. Oh no, Iron. sorry, go ahead, Lee. Oh, sorry, no, I was like, I've never heard of the Iron Man, like Iron, Iron Man. Man. No, no, that was I'm neat like, to me too. I'm like, that's interesting. Like now, I'm thinking about it. Okay, it's one one way that you can use it actually, uh, and I found this to be persuasive with like stakeholders at Riot, like senior people. Mm. I will say, I'll do this format. I'll say. Um, now, a lot of people would argue that, and then I insert the Iron Man, and I make the strongest possible case for the thing that I don't want to do, right? And I, it's genuine, right? Yeah. I go, a lot of people would argue that this. When you do that, now everyone's listening to you because they go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then I go, here's the rest of the format. I go, but in, but in my opinion, we should do, you know, instead of X, Y, for these reasons, right? And I find that it makes you a more credible person because what it does is it shows that you've you've done rigorous thinking instead of just... Mm-hmm. That you're making a biased case for like whatever it is you want to you know move forward on um oh yeah show the iron man point yeah Yeah. i think if you can see both sides of an argument and explain them well then you have a much better understanding on why the argument's taking place yeah totally all right going back to this um this is something we've asked the last few guests because it's been an ongoing event but how has lockdown affected communications at, at riot um, I think we're able to do our jobs like just the same as before. I think the effects on our like personal lives and like stress and that kind of stuff, I think are still not fully understood. I've been having really strange dreams, you know, every night. Stuff like that. Like, does it affect our work? I hope not. I don't, I don't, you know, I'd like to say no. I've, there's definitely been a few days. I, I try to like talk to the people on my team in like a really open way. And like, there's been a few days where either I or they were like, Hey, i I got call fatigue today. Like, can we just not, <laughs> can we just yeah. can I catch up with you later? And um, I don't know. So I think it's mostly that. I think, I think it's not necessarily good for people to be holed up. 
for a very long stretch of time. I mean, that's putting it yeah. you know, pretty obvious, right? But like, I think jobs are like half of our waking life for a lot of us. Um, yeah. And the, Riot has a cool campus and you get to see a lot of people, you get to get lunch with them. And like, it feels a little less exciting every day just because of this. And I, you know, it just is what it is. That's a lot. There are a lot worse complaints that I could have right now. So it's, I, I'm privileged enough to be able to say, oh, I could be having lunch at work right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's it. The job itself is totally doable remotely. It's 100%. You know, like, and the first month, actually, I was like, oh, I want to do this forever. This is, this is incredible, <laughs> right? I was like, yeah, just let me out of here. Um, now I'm now I'm I'm really missing that in-person connection with people. Honestly, I I was like, when you reached out and were like, do you want to do this um, this thing? This bike? I was like, dude, I just need any kind of human contact. <laughs> <laughs> I don't to talk to anyone. Uh, so yeah, so I'm grateful for you having me on because I'm uh, honestly like I get to talk to coworkers, but it's all especially what you miss is calls tend to be pretty focused on the thing that you're delivering. Cause you, everybody's got to get to their next call. You don't get that in hallway person to person relief. Um, yeah. So I yeah. miss that stuff, man. My, my office tried to um, encourage that where they said, <laughs> and nobody actually did it. Cause of course they didn't. They said, um, <laughs> if you were to have a conversation like in the, in the kitchen or something, try to have a call on Slack with somebody like like in that in the place of that like and right. the the meaning the meaning is good there like that's yeah. a good sentiment to have sure but nobody's gonna call somebody up on site and be like hey how's your uh snowboarding knee doing yeah <laughs> good man <laughs> they're, they're isolated in their holes and we've gotten to the point where we, we have a daily call a daily stand-up at my work and people are starting to just dread the daily stand-up just because it's just the monotony mm. of it um so we're trying yeah. to jazz it up a little bit in different ways, but it's just, <laughs> it's so funny that you you mentioned that you're just like I need just some sort of human interaction to just keep yeah. me keep me going because I think everyone you know what it is it's like purposeless interaction like mm-hmm. I I need to be able to talk to someone without having anything that I'm getting out of it like whether yeah. it's information transfer and I'm sorry I'm not saying I'm not getting anything out of this you know what I mean but I don't I really don't have any goals I I really did just want to come on and and have a conversation with you guys right like there's no like strategic initiative that this lines <laughs> up into right and so and that's that's what those kitchen conversations are you're not like trying to get anything out of people you're just shooting the shit uh yeah need some more purposeless communication but a lot of times people are um no no not in the mood from it because they're already so burnt out from being on on call for for purposeful work that they're doing and uh, yeah it's just it's tough to get somebody to be like hey after eight hours of having meetings all day you want to sit down and talk about this or that which is why i was like very happy that you decided like hey I'll take some time. I'll come on the show. We'll talk yeah, about Yeah, totally, man. Whatever. It was awesome. Yeah. Um So yeah, we're we're very happy to have you on. <laughs> yeah. Um ooh. Okay. Let's see. So do you have any standout moments from your career that stick in your memory that that make you think like, "Oh, I love doing this job. This is this is the best part about this job." Um There've been a few times at Riot where I got to work on something that felt so meaningful that I cried. And I cry kind of easy, like in movies and stuff, like Pixar <laughs> movies always get me, that kind of thing. But like, um, 
I got to work with this team on like planning the 10 year anniversary campaign. And it was this team of like such insanely talented people for months on end. And it felt, and then, I mean, of course we knew that we were going to use it to announce like a ton of riots games. Right. Um, and so it had this really important kind of, it felt like a mission, right, of like turning Riot from a one-game company into a multi-game company. Although we weren't the ones doing that. The people making the games are doing that. But you know what I mean, right? Like getting to be a part of that felt really meaningful. And like the day of that, which I think was, um, gosh, was it October 15th? I've like, maybe, maybe I've like blacked out that moment in my mind because it was like so <laughs> stressful leading up to it. But like the day where we got to deliver that stuff and see like players reacting to it. And in particular, like in the video we re revealed the new games, there's this like kind of moment where it, it tricks you and you kind of think the show's over because it's like a music video that's concluding mm -hmm. and it shows you a bunch of fast clips of the new games. Um, that was like so incredibly rewarding. And it's something I'll remember for the, the rest of my life. There's definitely been, there's been a few other things like that too. Um, a lot of the ones more recently have been like the people on my team do something really cool and I just got to help a little bit and like feel super good about it. Like actually there's a person on my team, uh her name's Nikki. Um she's not super public, uh, but she does like a bunch of editorial stuff for us. Like she she really helps organize and like put together like the riot please videos that we do and all of all of these like videos that are like I don't know if you've ever seen our dev doodles or a lot of the dev diary mm. series, like especially this year, it was like um, the season 2020 videos where it would be like somebody from the skins team talking about what we're going to do. Um, she's like, she's the person who makes that happen. She's kind of like editor in chief of league. And like, um, I, I forget what exact video it was, but like she had kind of put together like a pretty clear plan for what she wanted the season 2020 videos to do. And um, honestly, it was. It was just like Reddit comments and like player comments, like YouTube comments, like basically reflecting the that exact thing that she had hoped would get put across by those videos. And it was like someone you just seeing someone nailing their job. That felt super satisfying. Like I didn't, and I don't know why, because I didn't do it. It was all her, you know. But like <laughs> just that she's on my team, I felt so proud of her. Right? Like yeah. I don't know. It felt just as good as if I had done it, or maybe even better. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I get to work with really smart and talented people. And a lot of times if you got to help them do something that means something to them, that's like, it's like some kind of multiplier effect. It's way more meaningful than just if you did something by yourself that feels good. Right. Um, yeah. I'd like to clarify real quick. I became aware of the, the dev doodles and dev diary series after I already named this series. So no copyright. Oh. Intended. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> No, I mean, I don't think we own that branding. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> I didn't. I did not realize how much, how many like communications from devs were named in a similar fashion until yeah, totally. we started doing the show. And then I was like doing some SEO work, and I'm like, oh, oh no, <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's know, everywhere. It's it looks official. Yeah, it looks yeah. like something a, a another major company would put out. So yeah, I think it's good branding. Yeah. Hasn't hasn't negatively impacted us yet. We'll see. <laughs> and no, remember, I'm your awesome. co-host, the... so really, it's it's all on you. I'm just gonna. It's true. Throw Larry, that out. Larry absolves himself <laughs> of any legal ramifications. It's all on me. Uh, uh, but those stories were were great to hear. That's that's pretty much exactly the answer that that I was expecting. Something really meaningful coming out of that, and 
Larry, I'd love to hear, I know I didn't specifically prime this question for you, but I'd love to hear if you had anything um, in the similar vein. Uh, something that goes, God, I love my job. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it, uh, I, the one that sticks out is not my current role. So like for people listening that don't know, I, I'm the, the producer for uh, the narrative team. Um, I used to be the outsource manager for League uh, or uh, one of the one of the outsource managers. I covered uh, gameplay, so champions and uh, help out with metagame systems uh, again. Um, but I think my proudest moment was, uh, or the proudest, the proudest moments were when we would work with an external artist and we would really work with them to get them up to speed on our, uh, not our culture, our, our style guide and our expectations. And to see the moment where people would go, um, oh, that's, yeah, it's all right, to, oh, damn, that's so cool. Like seeing that kickover moment um, and then getting to tell them, it's like, yeah, that's our external artist over in China, over in yeah. Russia, over wherever. And they like, that's, that's a freelancer? I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, like, aren't they doing look, they're fucking awesome, aren't they, right? Yeah, yeah. Being able to help them through that um, always always made me feel really, really good of going, God, I love doing this. So I think it, I think it's that moment. And I think that uh, I, I'm looking forward to, and I, <laughs> tangent, um, there's a, a concept artist that I helped onboard um, who is actually uh, a rioter, like freelancer. He worked on the Mordekaiser update and um he messaged me on slack like two days ago asking a random a different question totally i was like i didn't know you got hired right that's so cool right because we i had known that that was a goal of his was so um those those kind of moments knowing that i can potentially help um put someone on a path or give someone an opportunity that that they then run with like i didn't get him his job i didn't make those people awesome artists they were already awesome artists um, but getting them into that position that they can then, you know, springboard off of and, and continue to do great things, uh, greater things. Um, I think that's what I, I really enjoy about my work. That's awesome. Uh, do you want to say who the, the artist was or is that a private thing? Oh, uh, no, it's Taylor. Uh, his name's Taylor Jensen. He did, uh, yeah, he, and that's the thing is um, I, at the time, like people would come up and be like, hey, I have an art friend or our friend, there's a friend, a person that I, you know, that I think is a good, would be a good fit. Um, so I, I wasn't the one who quote unquote discovered him. I was just the one who went, oh, okay, yeah, no, that looks good here. Art leads. Here's what, like, here's some candidates, here's some background info about them, like doing a little bit of investigation and then them going, yeah, let's try them out. And just, again, just working with them, getting them onboarded, getting them uh, up to speed. That's all I did. He did the hard work. Like he, he, he was the one who made a cool concept and and worked with the team. Um, really, I was just that that bridge, that facility. So there's there's like a handful of artists, and I do that on my my free time too. Anyone who's listening, I you know if if you're willing to put the time into it, I'm willing to put the time into it. That's my big thing. All right, cool. I think that <laughs> that's awesome. And then Larry's Twitter is at Riot Legend Larry. Um, he does a lot of art. Um, what's the word? Uh, you're posting, cross-posting. What? Getting the word out about artists and stuff like that. You, you, 
Oh, I broadcast pretty things broadcast. if I look at your Twitter. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, there you go. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, I, 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 I will definitely. Uh, there's definitely a lot of art on there. Most, most of it's game development stuff. Uh, whether it's, um, you know, business or art, like you said, narrative is something else. Uh, just promoting other people that are doing really, really cool work. Yeah, so make sure to check out his Twitter if you're interested in any of that. We'll plug it at the end of the show again, but. He does a lot of cool stuff like that. I think a lot of people have come to I'm know liking him. liking and subscribing right now. <laughs> oh, nice. A lot of people have come to know bell. him um, from his, his lore series where he would just go through the wiki and just find a random bit of lore from a champion that may not have been well known and then just like make a little snippet of it. That That's like a, a um, like I think one of them was like a Mumu was a, a child of so-and-so and then you would just dot, dot, dot and then link the, the lore piece, which I thought was really interesting because it gets people to go further into the story themselves and get more immersed in the lore. And I think lore is something that a lot of people playing the game don't really get into most of the time. They'll have like a, a base level of understanding, but if you can just get people yeah. to go in and say, Hey, and have some interest in, in more of the yeah. deep story behind a game like this, then I think that's, that's something that is a good, a worthy goal. I haven't, I haven't done that in so long. I've, oh, I've, I've let forever. it drop off. <laughs> you, you I need to, so the, I have my rec, my, I guess my thing is I've read every single champion bio and color story available. Wow. Like I've I, not even done that. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I did one a day. That was it. Like one a day. It took yeah, me half yeah. a year, but, uh, but yeah, like How I, did you I, do that just out of interest or to know or what? Uh, so, uh, when I started it, I had just started working with narrative team, uh, that that's a whole long story, but um, uh, I joined the narrative team uh, as their producer, and I went, well, this is something that I want to do, and something that I find very important. So I used to be a big lore nerd, and I would read the journals of justice, and then they did the retcon. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll come back when they, when when they finish that. But you know, that's an ongoing thing. So yeah, totally. I was like, well, no time like the present. So I literally just started with A and read every single bio and color story and then i would like universe or whatever yeah yeah on universe and then i would just tweet the fun little fact that i found out like the the one that's cool yeah the sticks out is uh zach's an empath like in his color story he talks about uh when he's close to somebody he can feel what they're feeling zach the little the the blob dude like i was like yeah huh that's cool I didn't show up in his kit very well. I was like, no, not really. <laughs> not yet. Maybe in the rework. Um, <laughs> no, but the uh, the journal. I love that you brought up the journals of justice. I remember reading those so long ago. When did those get removed? It was like twenty. It must have been like 2014, 2015. They were up. Let's see here, two or three years. So like twenty twelve. Is that right? That might. Someone might have to fact check that. I joined in 2015, and I think they had been gone for yeah. a little while. Yeah, they used to be. They used yeah, to be yeah. on the client. You could like click on the client, and they would be there. Um, yeah, along with a ton of other stuff. There's like a bunch of weird stuff that used to be on the client. <laughs> but yeah, that's such an uh, such a throwback. If you ever want to like, if you've been playing this game for a long time, and you ever want a nostalgia trip, just like go back and look at really old videos of like the lead client or the lead game. It's just it's such a different <laughs> game now. Yeah. Dude, I like you know how they have WoW Classic. <laughs> just saying, yeah, classic, <laughs> right? <laughs> like throw it, like just do the core forty back on the old map. Oh, God. oh no, have With Andy the be old a terrible gremlin. 
Yeah, like the whole thing. All right, dude. Like I asked, I asked once, like, what would it take to do that? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. And like the look on the engineer's face <laughs> was like, he, I mean, it looked like I just killed his whole family. Like he, he oh, was no. like, he was like, he started thinking through like really in specifics. Like the, he was like, oh my God, that system would have to plug into this. He'd be like, and he, he, he basically stopped himself. He cut himself short. He was like, it would be the biggest security risk. Like the security flaws that would be like, you know, outdated, like all the outdated tech that would all yeah. be like, he's like, no, we'd be like sued by the government, like <laughs> for exposing players to such a horrifying, you know, pile of code. Oh, man. Oh, oh. All right. Yeah. Let, let's get to this, this second to last question that um, I wrote down here. And this, this is maybe sort of a downer, but uh, how do you stay positive and how do you deal with, uh, times when the community is is upset at the, a company like Riot. Um, to me, I used to I used to feel that part of my role was to help keep people from getting mad. I used to like believe that, and like if you look around the industry, like what their the perception of like especially community managers, which I never technically was, but like uh, the perception is that right that like it's their job to manage the emotions of an uh unbelievably massive crowd of people on the internet right (laughs) and um at some point in time first i came to like kind of believe it just in an intuitive way and now i finally i think finally found the words to talk about it which is that i don't believe that at all like i don't think anybody has the responsibility to like manage the emotions of people online or you shouldn't at least like if you've accepted that responsibility like i feel sorry for you because that's not i don't think it's really doable um because I think that when people get mad on the internet, there's it's definitely not on one person to solve. Uh, like sometimes players are mad because there's a thing with the product that should be changed, right? Mm-hmm. And I think if you're if you're doing communications, I think it's really just your job to help articulate what they're saying in a way that is like really clear to the people who can make that change, right? If if they have the wherewithal to make it, um, or so that they can understand like the scope of it and maybe fix it. But but the only thing that's going to calm them down is if that change gets made, right? So it's not really – it takes a whole team to, like, fix that, right? And then other times, people on the internet, like, groups of people on the internet get mad, and they're – it's really, like, performative. Like, it's, it's a performance. It's like they're using – um a group kind of action as leverage as like a form of power to try to get something changed that they would like to have like make all the skins free which is not a real thing that anyone's ever said but like you know (laughs) i think if people thought that they could get us to do it they would try right (laughs) um and so to try to calm people down would be like it would just it would be uh i don't know it would be missing the point so like i've started to think of my job in a different way that makes me feel a lot better about even when people are mad or, or whatever i go my job is to help it's to be a bridge right it's to help devs understand what is happening and it's to help players understand what devs are going to do or what devs are doing or what devs are thinking about this thing like if players are mad about for for a long time we didn't bring picker back as an example right mm. um a long time and we didn't we never did say why and I, it always bothered me that we didn't say why i wanted to say why the reason was that uh, every time we turned it on, like the player base, it'd be right, right here, right? It would spike up. And then when we turned it back off, it would be like lower than before. And we have a bunch of theories about why that was. But basically we were like, we didn't really know why. We were just like, dude, every time we turn on Earth, it like kind of kills the player base, like to, to like a meaningful extent, right? Like it makes people burnt out on the game. We didn't know. We were like speculating. But 
Um, and like part of my like understanding of that being a bridge, I just I, I was I pushed for us to take a different approach, which was to communicate that to let players see it the same way we were seeing it. Mm-hmm. And so we did. We put out this post. This was like years ago where we were like, hey, here's the reason we haven't brought pickbacker in a long time. <laughs> and what was crazy was because it for because players didn't know they had no idea because they were like they, they were just like they're not bringing it back because they hate us <laughs> or whatever <laughs> right like they just because yeah. in the absence of an explanation you come up with whatever the most likely i guess mm. explanation is they were like so they had no idea but they you would see all this like kind of hilarious speculation of like they're not bringing it back because they think it's more fun than summoner's rift and and they're embarrassed of the making right like whatever yeah. they had all these theories once we put out the information and like the real reason everybody was like oh that, that makes sense yeah you probably shouldn't kill your own game huh <laughs> like not not everybody right like there were definitely some people who were like screw that you know give me picker um but it was like it it created this bridge now we could talk about earth in in a more proactive way and i think us I don't want to take too much credit because it was like a lot of people that agreed that that was the right thing to do is tell players that, but like it allowed us to, I think the first time we brought back pick Earth, pick earth was last year for the 10 year anniversary. Right. And we basically, we were able to come out and give a really simple reason for it, which is we were like, Hey, when you last heard from us, we said that we think this kills the game. Uh, we still think that, but who cares? It's the 10 year anniversary. <laughs> right. And everybody was like, yeah, pretty cool. Cause uh, I don't know. It was like it enabled us to have a bridge, ha- have a line of communication open that we wouldn't have. Yeah. We might not have even felt like we could have brought it back if we didn't think that we could talk about it in a way like that, right? Um, I'm not even sure what the latest is on Picker. Maybe we found since then that the effect isn't as bad as we thought, or, right. or whatever, because we've run it a couple It'll be times. Temporary, yeah. I've heard. All right, I've heard at least one senior leader at Riot say that Picker. Is uh is Riot's equivalent of the McRib, <laughs> which you know the McRib. <laughs> I've heard McDonald's that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, I think Jeff said senior that. Senior leader. He referred to it as the McRib, and I was like, oh my god. So that might be the new philosophy. It's the McRib. We just bring it back on a seasonal basis yeah. or to like celebrate certain things. I don't know. I'm not here to make any yeah. announcements about that. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but the the point is like whatever whatever it is that we decide to do with it we'll communicate it now i think in a way that's like really straightforward and like understandable um and that'll let the devs feel better about it let players feel better like the end result is that i think people are a lot calmer and a lot cooler about it but if i had ever approached that to bring it back to the original point if i had ever thought that my job is to calm people down i don't think i would have ever advocated for just telling them that you know the reason we're not bringing it back um anyway yeah that got, that turned into a tangent but it's one of the ways i think about these things yeah Pick that's Earth. awesome and i just the wanted to bring an example up of the that McRib of um, league. That's what... <laughs> the McRib of league. um when you guys brought up the data about why nexus splits wasn't actually a very popular game after a certain amount of time more and yeah. more people were educated like hey this game was very popular in in this circle but it generally right. didn't have the same level of popularity among all players. That one's so tough because if you love a thing and then someone mm-hmm. comes out with data that's like, yeah, but not everybody. Not did. everybody. It doesn't. I think that one's. I'm still trying to figure out if I fully understand that one because I thought that it would. It would totally. Everybody be like, all right, cool, later, Nexus splits. But actually, the people who really loved it are like, they're not really satisfied with that answer, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, I kind of get it. Like, I kind of get it. Um. 
So that that's an interesting one too. I think like sometimes that stuff works, but a lot of times there are people, and it's not even just selfishness. It's just like it's pretty reasonable to be like, hey, but I love the thing. Can I just have it sometimes? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I'm still, that being said, I'm still glad that we went out and showed that graph, that infamous graph. Yeah. It's like Texas Blitz down here by Twisted Tree Line or whatever. Yeah. Because I think if we hadn't done that, then people would have been a lot, a lot more people would have been confused and a lot more people would have been like not understanding it, the situation the same way that we understand it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to equate it to something maybe, maybe not everyone can uh, relate to, but it's like, man, I, eat out a lot or man i don't eat out a lot but then whenever i've had to stay at home i've noticed i've had a lot more money in my bank account at the end of the month <laughs> right so totally. yeah <laughs> all right yeah so i'm wrapping stuff because i know you have that. to go um one last question and i've meant to ask this a lot more but we just end up going on so long that we just run out of time <laughs> um what is something that you wish more people would ask you about your job oh that's a good question <laughs> man i saw that like because you shared some of the questions with me that you're gonna ask and i i never did come up with a good answer on this one because <laughs> i think and i tried man like i really tried i actually think that like i um talking about my job is fun but what i like to do is to figure out a way a new way that my job might be a portal into some new form of learning that i could do like uh is there some aspect of my job that i haven't even really understood yet that i could if i could connect it to some other part of the world could could i like learn something like that's valuable in life um and so i guess the real answer to that question is like what do i wish people would ask me like i wish i wish more people had the the really weird experience of being a communications person on a video game and that i could talk to them because i'm sure that it connects to all these other things right like this is like a really weird field it's like it's like mass communication very few like only politicians and like you know big news outlets get to talk to this many people you know and like it always just feels like we're just making it up as we go along and i just would love to talk to more people who are who who have maybe figured out something that i haven't yet because i just want to keep learning about it you know because i like i said it's the same thing we're talking about earlier i just think that almost everyone's bad at it and it would be good (laughs) I would love for someone to ask you something that makes me a little bit better at it, you know? Uh, maybe maybe that's that'll be a future yeah. episode. We'll have you back on and we'll have somebody from another another studio on and we'll have like a, a comms oh, discussion. They'll like resonate. I'd yeah. be down, right. man. I'd be down. I worry that that would just turn into man Reddit, huh? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was like really I was really anywhere. tempted to bring up Reddit more in these conversation points because like I yeah, uh, yeah. I could talk about Reddit. I mean, we talk about Reddit a lot on this show. You could. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, Reddit. thing, man. Reddit's great. Everyone loves Reddit. Great site. <laughs> Read it every day. <laughs> every day. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean. <laughs> all right. All right. Hey, thanks, Ryan, for coming on the show. It's such a joyness. I reached out to Ryan on, like, I think it was either Monday night or Sunday night. And I was like, hey, if you want to come on the show, we'd be glad to have you. And he he was full on board to get it so thanks again for yeah, man. coming on with the yeah. short notice really appreciate it. this was, was awesome fun i'm yeah i really appreciate it. I, I had a good time and uh you guys are you guys are great uh i'll be a regular <laughs> listener slash viewer all right we got <laughs> oh, one more guys <laughs> yes. oh yeah buddy <laughs> yes um ryan's twitter is at rk rigney uh follow him if you're not already he tweets a lot of interesting stuff about communications and just a bunch of 
topical stuff in general. Um, great guy to follow on Twitter. I've been following him for as long as I've known he's been around. Um, if you haven't figured it out yet, we stream Dev Dive live on twitch.tv slash Nighthawk20,000. So catch it here live. Um, I think the schedule we're trying to go for is once every other Wednesday. Um, not set in stone yet. So just follow the stream. I'll make announcements about it on my Twitter or Discord or wherever. You'll, you'll find it. Uh, if you can't catch it live and you want to watch the YouTube video, uh, it's on youtube.com slash Nighthawk20,000. I upload them pretty much immediately after we end the show. So they're up really quickly. And then if you don't want to watch it and you can't catch it live, uh, you can listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, so-and-so. And if you want to listen uh, or you want to leave us a review or follow the show on there, that helps us out a lot as well. Um, and I actually wanted to thank one person specifically, Jim Infested. He's been going through every YouTube video that I've put out over the last two years and just leaving nice comments on them and being like, hey, oh, this is great. Jim. So, That's thanks, awesome. Jim Infested. You, I think you were person. the first person that I don't personally know to go through and like watch all the podcasts. So appreciate you. That's um, sick. We, we right, should, hey. Maybe we should have him on the show. <laughs> yeah, right. Stretch what do you do, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks again for coming out, everyone. Uh, appreciate everyone who came out live. Appreciate everyone who's listening on YouTube or, or Spotify or anything. Uh, you guys are awesome. Take care, and see you guys next episode. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks again. All right.